right, welcome everybody to another episode of our Puget Systems Podcast Live Q&A show. Uh, today we are a day past where we normally would broadcast because we wanted to coincide with the big topic for today, uh, the launch of Intel Xeon W3300 series processors. Uh, I suppose this is the next step for the Ice Lake architecture CPUs. And um, yeah, we're going to be going over um, you know the performance testing, kind of where it might fit into our product line, what, what it's good for, what it's not good for across um, scientific computing, 3D animation design, that sort of thing, and also, of course, content creation. So um, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Any of you gentlemen would like to start off? Uh, oh, before we really get into stuff, um, I, I guess one thing we could talk about is like what the capabilities are because they, they did oh, some nice oh, things with this platform. They um, versus the previous Xeon W's, what is it? it's gone up to PCIe Gen four, which mm-hmm. is great, and it's uh, sixty four lanes. Which to me, I don't see much of a point in having more than sixty four lanes right now because like it, we can't even really do quad GPU much. So sixty four yeah. lanes would be you know x sixteen for four. GPUs, you know, so that basically means since we can really only do triple GPU in most cases now, that leaves another 16 lanes for, you know, M.2 stuff. So really, the fact that it's less PCIe lanes than like Threadripper Pro, which is 128, to me it's like, eh, whatever. At that point, like it's it's the same. Like who cares? You're just bragging at that point. It's really hard to saturate yeah. the lanes at one time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah especially Gen Four. Threadripper mm-hmm. uses those lanes for. Um, uh, internal stuff too. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. so it's not it's not all uh, to uh, the PCI bus, mm-hmm. but but yeah, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just means I, I do like that it, we're basically at the point on a lot of these platforms that PCIe lanes just doesn't matter anymore, which cool. is great. Yeah. Once there's enough that you don't have to have that as like a factor in figuring out what you want to buy. Great. Yeah. Um, what what else did they do with these uh, Xeon Ws? They um, did they increase the RAM? Uh, I see eight yeah, channel it, memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's eight channel, and now you can go up to four terabytes. Is that right? I think it's four uh, terabytes. I think that's what I saw. Now, I mean, it, it's four terabytes, but that's only using like crazy registered ECC sticks that are almost impossible to get. Uh, but again, it effectively means that you can, you know, whatever sticks you can get, you can put in there. So if you can get 256 gig sticks, great. Now you can do two terabytes of RAM and mm-hmm. it, it's fine. And the, the other great thing is now there's not a bunch of different models. Uh, I don't know if it was as much on the ZNWs, but on the server side, like they used to have like high RAM capacity models and normal models. And, and I think they've largely gotten rid of that even on the dual ZN, which is terrific. Um, so I, I think that that's, that's the main things is like, the, the more PCIe lanes in Gen 4, mm-hmm. uh, faster memory and more memory. Um, and I, I guess there was an increase in core count. It, it, they have the, the 38 core CPU, um, which is a weird one. <laughs> we found it, it was a very much a weird one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, we'll probably kind of get into that another, a little bit. Unless, another Don, thing, you want to kind of tackle that. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, uh, Matt, they, they um, uh, this is also eight channels. <laughs> Uh, memory channels mm-hmm. uh, here, and I have a uh, I have a, a, a test that actually shows the effect of that really pretty well. Hmm. Oh, cool! Uh, and that that's um, uh, that's matching the the eight channels on the um, uh, Threadripper Pro, mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that was a that was a welcome improvement because um, the the former model and the the second gen of uh, Xeon Scalable, which is this is really 
from um, was a six channel, uh, which was nice at the time. But then AMD came out with Epic and they and they did eight channels. And man, when you need that, it's it's like mm -hmm. a showstopper. So and we have we have customers that like, yeah, that that's that's their performance uh, limiting factor. Yeah. Well, Don, did you, I remember the other thing that they have on these is uh, like a deep AI boost stuff. Yeah. Did you, did you get into any of that stuff? No, 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 I haven't. Is, uh, um, the, yeah, there, there's some architecture changes that are pretty cool actually. Uh, and yeah, they have this deal boost. Um, they have, um, they've added a new, um, uh, like data type. That's, that's supported in the hardware, the um, uh, 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 BF-16. It, it's like a, it's a, uh, it, it's kind of the equivalent of like NVIDIA's FP-16, like what they use in the tensor cores. Um, there, yeah, there's, there's some... There's some stuff there, and and that actually uh, for stuff like uh, machine learning inference, uh, that can really really shoot your performance up. Uh, so there there is some some features in here, but uh, a lot of that stuff is really new and it's not really exploited. Um, I'm I'm actually looking at some benchmarks that will be using some of that core stuff there. Their you know their OpenVINO, their their uh, CPU side. Um, machine learning stuff there's there's times when the cpu does a really really pretty nice job i mean i'm a big gpu fan but i i have to i have to say that it's actually not bad um cool so but I, again before like we jump into sure. um like performance and, and testing and all that um mm -hmm. i i do kind of want to talk about two of I don't want to really call them like elephants in the room, but like two, two issues that we came across in, in a lot of our testing, just because okay. I think it, it, it um, phrases kind of like at least what I'm going to talk about, because I'm going to talk, talk about what I want to preface it with this. Um, the first that, that Don, you might have the best input on is the 38 core is a weird model um, because of how Windows handles higher number of core counts. So once you get above 64 threads, so that'd be 32 physical cores, Windows has to break it up into two logical processors. So it kind of treats it like it was a dual Xeon. Um, and so that, that's not just Intel, uh, but that's like the, um, the Threadripper 64 cores do the same thing. Interesting. Uh, so you get into weird issues then if like an application is not super well threaded, like say it's going to use two cores, it's possible it could use one core on one of these logical processors and another core on the other if like the app isn't very good about knowing how to handle that stuff. And oh. so then you can have problems with like this logical processor is trying to access memory across from the other one. Same issues you have with like dual Xeon. I was going to say, um, it's, like a, it's like a virtual dual Xeon. That's weird. Yeah. And it's it a Windows thing. Um, so I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why, at least it, especially in my stuff, because a lot of my stuff is more lightly threaded. Mm -hmm. um, I saw some weird stuff with the 38 core uh, and, and a little bit more inconsistency in the results. I had to run some things multiple more times than normal to get like a, a result that made sense. Um, I think it might be because of that. Um, and I, I think it's especially bad on the 38 core because you have basically 32 cores on one logical processor, and then you have six on this other one versus like Threadripper Pro or Threadripper, you have 32 and 32. Sure. Um, so yeah, that might be... 
Yeah, this is a hard one, Matt. I mean, this is really confusing because because it was that looked really bad, and I'm going, "What the heck?" Especially some of the results that Kelly's got. Mm-hmm. It was like, "Oh man, what is going on there?" It just didn't make any sense. And it, it and in fact, I think Kelly's got the most disturbing result uh, with the uh, compilation, oh. the compiling performance. That one was like, "Oh, that made me cringe." I think Matt and I both have very weird results for different, very different reasons. <laughs> Mine's because okay. of the 38 core. Matt has weird results because of power management. And it's yeah, a very yeah. bizarre wow. launch. Okay. I've got to say, okay, I did, I like I did like this. my testing on all on Linux. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I, it was, I didn't even have uh, a desktop installed, you know, <laughs> um, and it was bragging over perfect. here. Perfect. Yeah. It's fantastic. Don doesn't even see the code. He just, <laughs> but I was so disturbed. I, I, Matt, especially, you know, um, I, I went back, um, just like, you know, yesterday or whenever I went in and, and uh, while it was up in Windows and uh, I, I ran some of the Python benchmarks because I knew I could, I could put the load on it. And I could use MKL and all that stuff. And I could look and I did look at scaling. We had the 38 core in the system at that time mm-hmm. and it scaled reasonable from the 32 to 38. I didn't, I didn't see any weirdness. And I, and I, uh, I looked at scaling, dropping it back um, all the way down to like uh, eight core. I didn't do extensive testing. I just wanted to see if I could break it. <laughs> I mean, I was really trying to break it, uh, but it worked okay. Um, so I'm still scratching my head about that, but man, yeah, that was like that was. If this is if we're talking about the good and the bad and the ugly on this one, <laughs> that definitely falls into the ugly category. That was the troubles that you guys ran into with that were like, whoa, totally unexpected. Yeah. Um, well, and, and then the other issue that that Kelly was mentioning that I ran into most was the the power draw um, or power profile. So, yeah. nutshell, yeah, and we'll get into uh, my results more. But in a nutshell, we saw a lot lower performance, especially in lightly threaded applications, when we were using the default Windows power profile, the, the balanced power profile, uh, which is honestly what most systems. I mean, it's what all systems we ship out are ship with. But you know, if you were to buy this from anybody else, I almost guarantee you it's going to be using the balance profile by default. And it was massive. Like, uh, I'll have a few things, but in one case, I think it was like three times higher performance when we switched to high performance. Oh. So, uh, so so that was the other issue we ran into is that the power profile makes a big difference. And the main thing with between the two power profiles, balanced and high performance, is the minimum processor state. So when it's idle, on balance profile, it can go down to 5%. On the high performance profile, it runs everything at 100% all the time, and uh, which is good if you're looking for maximum performance. Uh, but it's going to be in like short spurts where it matters. Because if you have a sustained load, like, um, you know, a lot of your stuff, Don and Kelly, you're rendering stuff like it's sustained load. It's never going idle for the whole you know thing it's doing. Uh, a lot of my stuff, it's more like you know, short tasks that are getting done, you know, over and over and over. So it has to uh, jump up and more uh, up and down more. Uh, but it, it is weird that it has that big of effect because, I mean, Threadripper, Threadripper Pro, uh, Ryzen, Intel, like 11th gen. No issue. You see minimal difference between the two power profiles. It's just Xeon W, and we actually did see this on X299 as well. So I think it might have something to do just with that whole 
I mean, I know it's a different architecture than what X299 is, but I'm sure it's based on a lot of the same stuff. I don't a few instances where Threadripper, especially the 16 core, was actually slower on performance than it was on balanced. Yeah, I, I had a few like that too. It, it, yeah. It's weird. It's like, no, just, just switching to high performance pro profile for whatever reason doesn't always give you more performance. It, it makes your system louder and hotter and draw more power, but yeah. Yeah. It, it's a weird one. Yeah, I, I had just a little bit of a thought on that this morning um, because I was going, why why would it possibly do that? And the, the one thing that, and this is something that I really kind of don't like um, about the the current uh, vector units on, on on these and and you and you mentioned that you know the x299 this same kind of thing showed up if you've got something if it for whatever reason is going to activate the uh, vector unit the avx avx 512 in this case hmm. that shifts the whole thing into a different power profile because the uh, um, the the way this didn't happen with AVX2. AVX to AVX2 doubled the performance. It was just killer. It didn't drop any clocks. But on on these with the AVX512, the clocks drop when the vector unit engages, and that can affect the, the all the the total core performance. And so if you've got something that's like popping in and out of the vector unit and maybe, because that's a, that's a big vector unit. So anything that's going in there is going to happen one clock cycle. So if you've got, if, if you've got stuff that's loading in the, to the vector unit, you know, knocking out in one clock cycle, that power is still dropping and then back up. So it's basically would be kind of like bouncing around. I, that's just a theory. I don't know, but it, it kind of makes sense, especially since, um, it's shown up before and you're and you're right i wouldn't see it because the stuff that i'm running man that thing is maxed out and it's just cranking mm -hmm. so it 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 all settles into that state <laughs> but yeah i i that's kind of my suspicion i don't know yeah, it shouldn't it happen it should i mean it shouldn't happen shouldn't. <laughs> yeah but it's it been happening it when was x when was x299 launched are we like three years so it's, it's been, it's a, while, been a, yeah. it's been a thing. Um, and and yeah. for us, what we did with X299 is we just had our own power profile that just changed the minimum. It, it basically matched the high performance power profile for the CPU stuff, but it didn't affect like the, you know, hard drive spin down times and sleep and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and so on like X299 systems, we just shipped it that way. Um, we don't really ship X299 anymore because Ryzen and Threadripper just made them largely moot. Um, so we haven't had to deal with this, you know, for a little while, but yeah, like on, on these systems, I, I think our plan is to ship them in balanced because in a lot of the workloads that we're going to be recommending them for, it doesn't matter. It didn't come up. Um, and yeah, then if, it. yeah, and, and then just, you know, maybe have like a support guide or support nose um, or, and, and, you know, our sales guys, if it is being used for something else that it could be affected, like, hey, you might want to, you know, tweak the power profile. I mean, it's it's like one click. It's one button. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not hard to do. Uh, but that way, you know, we're not running all these CPUs at 100% all the time, you know, even when they don't need to be. Or I'm not even sure how it works with like throttling because there's also like Intel speed step and turbo. It's, it, these processor power states, there's so many different of them. Honestly, I don't quite understand how they all work together because it, it's all weird. 
with that, um, right. I, I guess. Yes. Do you want to get want started to on the... to... Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. I can talk about myself since we're talking about power okay. profile stuff. Yeah, okay. You want to... There we go. Um, so uh, just going through my... The, the things I tested uh, was uh, Photoshop, After Effects, Premiere Pro, DaVinci Resolve. Uh, really between those resolve is the only one that would be a real uh, possible workflow uh, but it, it's always good I, I like to do all this kind of testing anyway because like like Photoshop for example you're not going to be using this for Photoshop you're not going to be using Threader Pro Threader Pro for, for, for Photoshop but it's pretty much widely used in like any content creation field so it's good to know if there is something weird it's good for us to find it um, so I'm not as concerned about the total scores, but uh, this was one of the ones where we again saw the, um, oh, my mouse is on the wrong one. Um, the performance changed a lot. So this chart is kind of a, a combination. In our articles, we separated out the balance profile and the high performance. This is just mashing it together so we can kind of see this at a glance. Um, but basically we saw some around a 20% performance gain in the high performance. And, but even at the high performance, I mean, Photoshop is very lightly threaded. Most CPUs are gonna have very similar um, single threaded performance until you get to the really high core counts, like the 64 core threader pro where it has a slight drop. But it basically means like they're all within margin of error as long as you're using the high performance profile. Um, and that's, that's very typical. Um, you can get a little bit higher performance out of something like Ryzen or the 11th gen uh, Intel stuff because they have a little bit higher single core performance. But if you're using Photoshop as a secondary app, it's fine, but you are going to notice a performance hit if you use the default balance profile. Uh, the other one that was even more significant, this was probably the worst uh, offender for the power profile stuff, was uh, After Effects. Um, in After Effects, there is a small uh, use case for the uh, ZNW or Threadripper Pro. Um, because of how After Effects works, if you have a ton of RAM, that can make a really big difference for higher end uh, work workflows. And so, you know, two terabytes, four terabytes even, is not outside the, the realm of possibility for these like super crazy high end motion graphics or VFX workflows. So there is a use case here. Um, and yeah, it was, it was crazy how much faster we could get with the high performance power profile. Like you see this overall, like at most it was like an 80%. Um, and that took it from like half the performance of Threadripper Pro to essentially on par. Um, and you'll actually notice here that like what Kelly was saying before about the two power profiles, the these two Threadripper Pros actually saw a performance hit in high performance power profile. So um, you kind of have to compare balanced with Threadripper Pro to high performance with Xeon. Um, and it's not a big difference. It's like 5%, which you're not gonna notice 5%. Uh, so again, the, the end story is if you're using high performance, ZNW, Threadripper Pro, eh, about the same. Um, so it, it's not a huge thing. But I also wanted to point out on this one was um, one specific uh, category of our tests in After Effects, which was tracking. So 3D tracking, camera tracking, that is where a huge chunk of the performance hit with the power profiles came in. Um, I mean, one of these, the 32 core, it was like three times faster um, with high performance power profile. So that's that's massive. And this is uh, tracking in After Effects right now is entirely single threaded. Um, but I think like every 
frame it's doing tracking, it might jump to a different core. So I, I'm wondering if like it you know does tracking in one frame and then it jumps over to another one, and so then like that core has to like spin up all the way. So we're getting a lot of spinning up and down um, on this, mm-hmm. and so that's why I think we might be having this exaggerated, really, really bad performance in, in the balance power profile because that like that's. That, that's bad. <laughs> bad. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's really bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it, and it's actually funny because we we started our testing when we first got samples, and they the system was in high performance power mode. Um, I don't even remember why it was already in, and we did our testing. I'm like, yeah, okay, everything looks good. <laughs> and then we started doing our testing for like these actual articles. It's like, whoa, something has changed, and it was because we had done an OS reinstall. And that reset back to the balanced power profile. So this was one of the first places where we like noticed that, okay, what's going on here? And then we remembered X299. And so then we got going into this. Um, so again, in the end, you can get about the same performance, but man, if you're worried at all about, you know, power draw, um, even noise to some degree and all of that, Threader for Pro is really kind of the way to go with this if you need high amounts of RAM. Um, oh. I wanted to jump in yeah. real quick. There was a, an interesting question related to the core count uh, issue we mentioned earlier. A uh, drone video on YouTube asked, does Windows Pro for workstations suffer from that same uh, core count issue? Pretty sure, yes. It, it's a it's like core to Windows um, okay. that you yeah. have to separate it out into logical processors. Uh, okay. work, Windows 10 for workstations, I think what it allows is like multi, multiple physical and like crazier, higher amounts of RAM. Okay. Is that right? It's been a it's while like a since mag- I've had to even look at it. That, that feels right. I think there's something about like a maximum number of like physical actual CPUs on the board or something like that, right? Yeah. It, Windows stands for workstation. Like when we really look deeply at it, um, oh, it's been a little while now. We basically found that like, nah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't worry about using Windows 10 for workstation. It's unless there's a very specific thing that it, it allows, it it's going to behave the same. Um, and yeah, I think it, it does come down to like total memory and physical CPUs. Don't quote me on that because again, it's been a little while. So like in this case, if you were going to do four terabytes of RAM, you, maybe you would need Windows 10 for a workstation, but it won't affect performance at all. I know we do have a few articles from early February of last year looking at uh, the Threadripper 3990X and Windows 10 for workstations and mm-hmm. how it relates to Adobe CC performance. Yeah, yeah I that's when I wrote those. But yeah. <laughs> that's when the Windows Pro for workstation really came to light was when we exceeded 32 cores for the first time. But I think it's yeah. all been it all works now on just regular Windows Pro. Yeah, I think so too. When when uh, when like um, uh, the AMD uh, Epic came out and the the sixty four core uh, Threadripper, uh, there were some vendors that were only shipping the systems with that Pro for workstations. That was like right right initially they were doing that but i think uh, yeah i i think uh, i think you're right man i think all those i think those issues are just gone away yeah well i remember too also back then it was um it was also annoying for us to install windows 10 for workstation because it was an upgrade only um yeah. so you, you couldn't just like install windows 10 pro for workstation you had to install windows 10 pro and then upgrade to workstation which was kind of annoying hopefully now you can do it um, I see someone posted on a thing that it was, yeah, two physical CPUs and two terabytes of RAM. Okay. 
Uh, so if, if you have more than that, so not many people are going to have more than two physical CPUs or more than two terabytes of RAM and be running a, you know, standard Windows, not server. I don't OS. know. Someone out there might be having one of our quad Xeon systems out there. <laughs> I'm just saying. And not yeah, but Linux. all those people, yeah, all those people are also going to be running Linux. That's the thing is yeah. they're going to get around Windows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So to finish up my stuff, uh, so After Effects. Um, Premiere Pro is one it wasn't as big of a deal um, it, it was interesting because the lower core counts like 16 core minimal difference uh, but as you went up in core count it made a bigger and bigger difference uh, in terms of what the performance was um, so it made it basically where all the Xeon W's were essentially the same on balanced power profile to when we went to high performance then you actually got I mean it's not great scaling but it's a little bit of scaling um, but really in the end like if you're going to be shelling out for this level of a platform, uh, to be honest, you're probably not going to be getting the 16 core, uh, especially for like Premiere Pro, because you're not doing it for the RAM uh, you're doing it or the PCIe lanes. You're doing it for the CPU performance. And so you're probably going to be using, you know, the 32 core or Threader Pro Pro. And at that point, it's just it, it's faster than than Xeon W. So uh, even with the balance profile, um, Unlike Photoshop and After Effects, where it's like, yeah, if you change the balance or t- change the high performance, Xeon and Threader Pro are about the same. And Premiere Threader Pro is is, is probably just going to be a, a hair faster. I mean, it's not massive, um, so but it, it would be a little bit faster. Uh, and the last one I had, oh, these are kind of in reverse order. There we go. Uh, was uh, DaVinci Resolve. Um, this is a little bit harder to read because it's uh, this is by the the core count rather than like performance. Uh, but there was a few things in here. Uh, first of all, yes, the power profile did change performance by fifteen to thirty percent, um, and it made it worse again on uh, some of the Threader Pro Pros. The sixty-four core did make it better. Uh, but the thing here is the 38 core actually saw a performance hit. And generally in Resolve, uh, you don't see much of a benefit to higher core counts, you know, just like going from the 32 to 64 core Threader Pro, but you don't, you generally see a hit, but we actually saw a hit here. And I, I wonder if it's that whole, um, you know, logical processor group uh, thing in, in Windows going on here. Um, but this Xeon W though, at least is way better than the previous generation for Resolve, especially because you have all those extra PCI lanes in their Gen 4, which in Resolve, Resolve is big on GPU, uh, especially in higher-end workflows. Uh, a lot of times the GPU is the bottleneck. And so being able to have more lanes is, is really, really, really good. Um, but the other thing I wanted to bring up here was Fusion. Uh, basically, it's After Effects. It's it's, it's motion graphics and VFX. Uh, so same thing as After Effects, uh, just different to have. And this one, again, was a huge performance difference in the two power profiles. Um, this one wasn't three times like After Effects, but it was uh, two times. Um, and I, maybe I could get more because I don't think we do much tracking tests in Fusion. Uh, but if we did, maybe it would be close to that. But either way, uh, if you are going to be doing like DaVinci Resolve and you're doing anything with Fusion, like, man, it's you, you got to be running in that high performance power profile. Uh, but like the sum- summary of that is even for DaVinci Resolve, I, I give the edge to Threadripper Pro. Uh, but it's not a big edge. Like if you're comparing the 32 core Xeon W to the uh, 32 core Threadripper Pro, I mean, that's basically the same score. It's within a few percent if you go to high performance. Uh, but these the Threadripper Pro, I think it's like $1,000 cheaper than the Xeon 32 core, like 950 yeah. or something like 950. that. Um, 
Which honestly, though, if you're buying a system with this class, like it's probably going to be an eight to ten thousand dollar computer anyway. So I mean, that's still like a ten percent. Yeah, I mean, a thousand dollars can make a difference. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> like that's another GPU in some cases. Right. And if um, that makes a difference for Resolve, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So so that plus the fact that you don't have to be using the high performance power profile. That's kind of why I gave uh, Threadripper Pro <laughs> the edge in Resolve. So summarize for like uh, video and photo stuff. Uh, ZNW either matches if it's lightly threaded if you're in high performance power profile, uh, but if it's a bit better threaded of an app like Premiere Pro, DaVinci Resolve, I give a slight edge to uh, Threadripper Pro. Um, so honestly, for like all of my stuff, I don't think we're going to be using ZNW, which I mean, it's not it's not a core focus of this you know level of Xeon anyway. But yeah. Um, yeah, but that's probably not where we're going to be using it. <laughs> All right, right on. Uh, Kelly, do you want to jump in? Yeah. All right. So go ahead and go to my. Just Kelly, right before you start. Yeah. I'm just gonna. I just want to throw in here, just for everybody that's that's on the stream. My results are great for the CNW. Yeah. 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 Wait, we're leaving best for last. Most of my stuff. The good news comes. uh, The 32 core even (laughs) like way outperforms the 64 core Threadripper Pro. Okay, which makes it a bargain. But I will explain. Spoilers, man. Spoilers. (laughs) I just don't want to lose anybody, you know. But yeah, Kelly, I'm really interested in your stuff. I I, I was fascinated by some of the stuff that you saw. So yeah, my good word. Here we go. All right. So let's try a V-Ray for CPU rendering. Like a lot of people are moving GPU rendering anyways, but CPU rendering is still pretty popular. Um, And the name of the game in CPU rendering is just core count. And there's just no way a 38 core is going to be able to compete anyways. So I wasn't expecting a whole lot. And unfortunately, the 38 core barely matches the 32 core 30 per pro at like $1,700 cheaper. Um, So it really wasn't much to say there like it just doesn't <laughs> compete at all um balance 16 the, core is fine yeah 16 core they're about even um i didn't include the the power the performance profiles um on these there's a couple percent swing and sometimes it was one way or the other like sometimes it's worse sometimes it's better um so it really just the summary of my articles just said like try it and see what it works for your system on the exact thing you're doing and since it's just a, a, a like a checkbox in windows to set it like might as well try it but it i didn't include the on these graphs because there's just not a whole lot to talk about on my stuff uh cinebench multi-core again it just you need cores and there's just not enough cores um and again 38 core barely matches the 32 core i think on cinebench when you do the power profile um the 32 core and 38 core flop like the 38 core ends up being just a hair faster but about the same margin that the 32 is faster than 38 core so it's essentially the same wash um yeah so, so an aside though real, real quick um do, is there i 
performance or is, is there really a reason for like these platforms versus like Threadripper? Um, I, I can't recall what you had like Threadripper versus uh, Threadripper Pro. RAM. Like, RAM. So that does yeah. come into play? Yeah. Okay. The amount of RAM especially. Um, that's one of the biggest draws to CPU rendering is that you're limited by either video RAM or system RAM. <laughs> if you're doing GPU rendering, you're limited by video RAM. So you can go a lot higher, a lot bigger scenes with CPU rendering. Mm -hmm. um, gotcha. So, yeah, there is still a, a draw for these on like the super high end um, rendering workstations. And that'd probably be servers at that point, anyways. Okay. Um, single core, I should have included the power on this one. This is the one where. Um, like the the Xeons look pretty bad here, but then in the performance profile, um, they all kind of evened out a bit. Um, basically, made everything about the same score, and that kind of lines up with what we saw with Matt stuff. That lightly threaded is where the boost is going to come in. Um, but again, Threader Pro is just such a great platform for rendering that it's just hard to hard to compete. All right, Unreal. This is where this is where things get weird. All right, so for building lighting, um, this is one where things score um, scale pretty reasonably. Um, for some reason, the Xeon 16 core did terrible, just really bad. Um, and I ran this multiple times on both pro power profiles, and it was the same. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why it was so bad there. Um, and then the 38 core is about equivalent to the Xeon 32 core. So like, there's just not a whole lot going on there. Um, it's just kind of the tip of the iceberg for the 38 core in Unreal. <laughs> it's gonna get worse from here. Uh, actually, compile shaders, uh, the 38 core did pretty good. Um, yeah, and compiling shaders is a extremely threaded. It's like a whole bunch of very small tasks, so it can be spread out pretty easily. Like there's, um, I think, 8,000, no, 6,000 shaders that are compiled in this test. Um, so there's all, those are all like mini programs, basically. A shader's a mini okay. program. Um, so they can all just be pushed around pretty effectively. Um, nice. So there is, at this level, we're getting to a bit of a, a diminishing return on how much faster. Because you see that like the 64 core, um, this is in seconds. So it finished that process in 15 seconds faster than the 32 core. Like, is that really gonna help? Does that make a difference for <laughs> your money? Um, whereas if you were to go down to like a eight core Intel processor, that would be, you know, five times as long. Um, so now that's a, that's a huge price difference too. For, mm -hmm. to, to save 15 seconds, you're looking at nearly double the cost. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's why usually the, um, <laughs> the 32 is usually like the sweet spot for unreal. Um, okay. just because the 64 core is faster. And if you want to spend the money, it's 
to get a better performance on like compiling shaders, building lighting, um, compiling code, all that kind of stuff. But just is it going to be enough to make it justifiable or not? That's kind of up to each person. Yeah. Well, because uh, yeah. some people, they they have like a, a, a system that all it does is compile code mm-hmm. all day, right? But you don't yeah. do that with like compiling shaders or building lighting, right? You, can, you can't pass that off. You can. Oh, you can't. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, someone was getting like a dedicated system that, like, yeah, we have a team of twenty game devs, mm-hmm. and they just push stuff off onto this constantly. Maybe it'd be worth it then. Yeah, usually they have. Um, usually, it's done like overnight. Um, oh, like at the end of the day, everything gets submitted back to the central server, and then it's recompiled, and then next day everything's ready to go. Um, you still want a decent uh, shader compiling on the user end for whatever changes they're making and stuff, so they can get refreshes, but. Then the whole system gets refreshed in the server. Um, all right, compiling source code. This is where things took a turn. Um, so this is technically not Unreal Engine. This is Visual Studio 2019, um, which is what you have to use to compile Unreal Engine source code. Um, so for some reason in here, the 38 core came in dead last by a long shot. Yeah. Um, and if you were to look at like how this is scaling by the number of cores as you go down, the 38 core would be equivalent to about like 12 or fewer cores. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened, because we saw this long time ago and um, I've retried with different power profiles, different versions of uh, Unreal and different versions of Visual Studio, different updates and stuff that they've had. Mm-hmm. Um, what would happen if you watch the task manager was that um, only 12 threads would be at 100% during this test. And the rest would fluctuate between doing absolutely nothing or occasionally would spike up and then go back to doing nothing. So it's 12 threads is the six cores. So that leaves the 32 cores that's one of the processor groups inactive, whereas the six are the ones that got picked to run the code. So if if it had even swapped that and picked the 32 cores and then left the six, that would have been a better result, like by a long shot. I would have at least had it up there with the 32 cores, maybe a little bit faster, because then you get the additional bump occasionally from the other. But yeah, for some reason, and I haven't, um, I don't know if it's a Visual Studio problem or if it's a Windows scheduler problem or a combination. Um, but yeah, it just, it does not like to compile a code in Visual yeah. Studio on that 38 core. So the way the way that it groups the the processors is like it should be the thirty two as like the primary the CPU zero or whatever and then the extra six should be the secondary ones right like that's how it would, should be I would think so I don't know how it actually works on the but back end but something like, is picking it wrong because like yeah. the sixty four core you see it's not like limited to a single processor group yeah sixty four core third upper it does phenomenal. Um, but for some reason, it just had a really bad time with this 38 core. It just would not, could not get it to do more than 
12 processor groups, 12 threads at a time. Yeah. I hope this is just like a, some funny business cause it's like new architecture kind of thing. And like, you know, they got to do some catch up kind of thing to, to I mean, this stuff you, out. That's what I think, but also like compiling code in visual studio, like they are like they're it's set for this. Like it should be <laughs> like, they're used to seeing more than 32 cores running compiling yeah. code. So Weird. I don't know why this processor did not like it. And we reported this to Intel a long time ago. New BIOS didn't fix anything. Um, updates to uh, Visual Studio didn't do anything. Like, I, I don't know what it is, but yeah. So for that reason, if I was to score everything compiling for Unreal Engine, I you can't I can't recommend the 38 core at all. Like, just avoid it if you're doing Unreal Engine work, especially if you're especially if you're doing um, code compiling if you're game dev. Compiling lots of code, just ignore that. You probably want to throw it up for anyways. They're mm -hmm. they're still getting way faster and cheaper. Um, so yeah, it was not uh, not a great showing for Intel on for Unreal. Remember, wait for Don. Wait for Don. Yeah. Don has good. <laughs> I said for Unreal. For un it's just for Unreal. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, Kelly, I got I have to tell you. I mean, that wasn't the most uh, of all of the stuff that that uh, you guys saw. You know, the the kind of anomalies and stuff. That one disturbed me the most because I couldn't not figure it out. And you know, and it did okay on the shaders, right? Mm -hmm. And it, and you know, the same kind of thing should be going on in there. And uh, so it should be good. I mean, so that was like, whoa, that is well, and, busted. I mean, something and, uh, wrong there. To compile all that stuff, you need to have, to compile shaders, you need to have virtual stu uh, Visual Studio installed as, anyways. Like you need that to yeah. be able to compile everything in Unreal. So I don't know why compiling in Visual Studio by itself has a problem. Yeah, that was just weird. That was really weird. But I mean, that one, that one just like stuck out to me as like one of the craziest things I've, I, I will historically put that down as one of the craziest things I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, really disturbing. I, but, you know, I, uh, just, you know, for what it's worth, I, uh, uh, AMD, the, the Threadripper, it, just a regular Threadripper um, and Threadripper Pro for, as a build system, as a compile uh, as a compile system, yeah, they're they're crazy. I, when mm -hmm. I remember when the 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 Threadripper was first launched, uh, people you know had ran uh, uh, Linux kernel compile benchmarks on it, and it was just like seconds, and mm -hmm. it was like people did not even believe. I did it myself, and I put it in a post. And the guys are like, "No, that's not even possible." And it's like, yeah, it's really possible, and it works really, really well. You um, talking about Gen One Threadripper? Yeah. No, yeah. Well, no, no, no. The 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 sixty four core. When that came out, yeah. 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 So that two? that's like Gen. Is it two? The sixty four. I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember. What, I whatever. Remember. When that one came out, it was like, whoa. Yeah. It just it just was crazy for that kind of workload. Um. 
but yeah, yeah but the, you know, Intel should be really good there too. So, uh, but but yeah, cores matter more probably than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, you know, someone mentioned like this is just growing pains with you know new new platform. I don't think there's enough changed in this platform for there to be like growing pains. No, um, it's weird. Now, like the the next, because I, I think so, supposedly isn't like Intel supposed to be like changing a whole bunch of stuff with a lot of their next ones. Um, and like if, if they do, maybe there'll be more growing pains. But I feel like right now we're still kind of like iterating yeah. is what kind of what Intel's doing. They're just iterating. Yeah. Well, this, isn't, this isn't the first Intel CPU over 32 cores, though, is it? No. It's just the oh, first uh, one, like on this platform, because I thought yes, the it is. the other really? 64L, yeah, the previous 64L had like a higher. <laughs> yeah, uh, their their previous was 28. Oh wow, was it on, on yeah, Xeon W? 28 cores on the Xeons, but didn't it, on like Xeon SP? Yeah, really. Yeah, I'm gonna check. Yeah, now. The, yeah, this uh, core count bump <laughs> is, um, uh, is is new for the for the platform. Wow, crazy! Yeah, you could you could get a, a the... 56 core thing. You could have like a dual 28, and that was that's the high end. That's the 882 crazy. <laughs> the Xeon, Xeon Platinums had higher. Yeah, the Xeon Platinums. Yeah, yeah, the 83 whatever is. They went yeah, up 83. to 40 or go up yeah. to 40. But those are fairly recent. Those might be the same. Oh, um, no, no, no. That's this one. Yeah, that, that, this, okay. Yeah, that's the same generation as this. It's just, yeah, Sam, oh, yeah, okay. W. Yeah, versus... yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. So this, this generation, just Ice crazy. Lake, bumps the cores up. Yeah. So this is actually something different for the platform. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, before it was just you, you could d- get similar but with two physical CPUs on like dual Xeon. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know how Windows handles like we were talking about the logical processor groups. It might just like totally like everything I read about logical processor groups is it tries to maximize you know how many cores are in each group. But I doubt it would like pull, you know, 28 and then another four from this other physical processor and move it over. I bet it just weird. did like two separate ones. Yes, weird. Which yeah. makes me wonder about like the um, the 40 core or the 38 core dual Xeons. Like if you had two physical CPUs, would that mean you'd have four logical processor groups? Who knows? Oh, it's a good <laughs> thing you only use dual Xeon when you're like doing like really heavy. Use Linux on that. Full load yeah. stuff. <laughs> Uh, all right, Don, your turn. Okay, my turn, right? Okay, fast, fast. It's, no, just bring this around to something okay, happening. Okay, 15 minutes. Okay, I, I, for, um, oh, thank you. You put that up. Um, yeah, the uh, this that's my blog post. I didn't do separate. Oh, I have to scroll over here, don't I? <laughs> um, the 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 first thing I want to say is just a little bit about what this thing really is. Um, okay, you you have the 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 server class hardware from AMD and from Intel, and and, and on an Intel side that Xeon it's Xeon SP, the scalable processor, and on AMD side that's Epic, and. Um, so you you come down to the the Xeon W that we're looking at, and then Threadripper Pro. These are the single socket versions of those chips. Okay. Okay. So this is the high performance um, workstation processors. So I mean, Ep- Epic Pro is, or, or I'm sorry, Threadripper Pro is Epic Rome. 
It's actually mm -hmm. an older generation of Epic, right? <laughs> so that so the next Threadripper Pro could be a like a nice jump. I think AMD is just holding this in reserve as a big club, right? <laughs> um, but so so and when I say workstation here, I'm talking about workstation in the traditional sense of workstation. Back to like the the Unix workstations from Sun Microsystems and DEC and IBM and HP and Silicon Graphics and stuff like that. The evolution of that is now to Linux workstations on this kind of hardware. Okay, so so that I'm just putting that out there. Um, the the Threadripper Pro uh, Epic. That's a great architecture. Just AMD hit it out of the park with this. It's the best thing they've done since the original Opteron. Um, and uh, so, it, and from everything we've looked at, it's just a great platform overall. Okay, uh, but there's no question that uh, that this stuff on the Intel side is is really their mindset. There is on this workstation in the traditional sense kind of. Uh, kind of platform and it's a great platform the platform is it's funny because they, they've caught up to the AMD platform at this level so now it's eight channels it's got all the lanes it's got PCIe 4 so it's these platforms are pretty much on par and they're both great Okay, they're both really great for serious, like scientific computing, um, data science, machine learning workloads that are that are need like heavy heavy data processing on the CPU. Um, yeah, really good platforms, both of them. Okay, now Intel has a big advantage. Intel has a way stronger ecosystem than AMD. Uh, they've all they've traditionally in this realm have had the best compilers for the x86 architecture mm -hmm. and this has been this is historic it goes way back and it's always been a strength and intel also has fantastic performance libraries okay and the thing in my work that is going to make the biggest difference is the blast library the linear algebra library because at the end of the day Numerical computing comes down to numerical linear algebra. And if you can do that really fast, you're going to get great performance on like a vast majority of scientific kind of applications, including machine learning and stuff like that. Uh, and the advantage that Intel has at this point is the AVX 512 vector unit. That that is a, a 512-bit vector unit that stuff can load into there, like these matrix operations. Stuff can load into there and do all these multiplies and adds in a single clock. So, so the amount of stuff that you can stuff into that vector unit happens every clock cycle. Wow. So that is a big performance gain. And this is twice as wide as the AVX2. But it takes a hit on the clock. The core, the core clocks drop when this engages. And I think that's part of what has caused some of this craziness that's going on. It's just all of the, the memory management is so complicated. It's just unbelievable. Um, but I think that's what's going on. But if you are in the Intel ecosystem, okay, if you're using Intel compilers or Intel performance libraries, then you cannot beat Intel for CPU performance if you're using their stuff because it's highly optimized. And 
you will see that right here, okay? The uh, HPL, High Performance Lin Pack Benchmark. Uh, hope you can see that. Is that okay? Can you guys see, read anything on there? It's okay to me. Is it all right? Okay. If if not, I did post the link in the chat so you can follow along on your own. Yeah, yeah. It's worth probably taking a look at the post because you know, um, I I won't say. Well, yeah, it's probably worth taking a look at it. Um, um, but you you can see what's going on here. The top of the list there is I've tested Ice Lake uh, a couple several months ago because it was a rich, it was released as the the Zeal Xeon SP first, mm-hmm. and that was the, the best processor I've ever tested. I mean, almost three teraflops on that uh, CPU system on the Linpack benchmark. The the Linpack benchmark is what ranks the top 500 supercomputers in the world. So when you're hearing this stuff about petaflops and exaflops and stuff like that, that's what they're talking about. It's the performance of this benchmark. It's classic numerical linear algebra. It's solving a big system of linear equations. Okay, it's a very standard kind of problem. So it's a good raw floating point performance benchmark. Okay, um, so yeah, the um, uh, yeah the 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 Xeon the Xeons were really good. The the other the last gen. Uh, dual Xeon was also really good. And then right under that, the third one, uh, I wonder if, can you see my mouse? Oh, I can't see my mouse. Uh, Maybe you can. Oh, yeah, you can. Okay, Okay, here we go. Uh, This is the dual epic. Okay, and this is dual epic ROM. This is basically two Threadripper Pros right there. That's what you're looking at. Um, great platform. A lot of excitement when that stuff was launched. Really, really good. Okay, that's a hundred. This is 120 cores here because I ran it on uh, Azure. I ran it in the cloud, and some of those cores are reserved for the virtualization layer that's under this from the cloud architecture and all that. Um, but then right under that, we come down to this these new processes. And so the I didn't see a lot of scaling difference between the 38 and the 32 here. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, the performance is really, really good. You know, that's like uh, almost 1.8 teraflops on a single socket CPU system. That's like stunning. That's really, really good numerical compute performance. Um and let's see, what do we come down here? It looks like the main advantage here is is that AVX five twelve. Like that the AVX and, unit makes a huge difference because yeah. that accelerates the uh, matrix vector operations. Okay, because you're seeing, I mean, that's a significant improvement over the sixty four core Threadripper Pro that's just below those two right. for half half the core count. So it's got to be the AVX thing that's that's given. It boost. it is the AVX five twelve is twice the width of the AVX2, which is on the uh, the AMD stuff. Okay. And then add in Intel probably has a little bit better optimizations in their implementations than AMD. Oh yeah, way um, better. Yeah, yes. because so this is using this is linked with uh, Intel's math kernel library, MKL. It's highly opt- insanely optimized. Um, the AMD here is using their Library, their optimized library, and their Linpack 
binary executable. So their optimization, that's what's in here. Um, but yeah, in this case, for this kind of stuff, both that 32 and 38 core uh, Xeon W outperformed the 64 core uh, Threadripper Pro. Yeah. Okay. Which was no slouch. <laughs> was no slouch. Yeah, that's no. great. Okay, that's great. Now, now this is very heavily biased. The, uh, Intel has the big advantage here. Okay, because well, they've just got ground, killer right? libraries. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it, and it's a real advantage. It, it's not an artificial. Oh, this benchmark is optimized for Intel. It's no. It's actually Intel is more has an advantage in this space. In that space, in that kind of workload, if you are linking to MKL and you've got heavy uh, linear algebra use in your code, it's going to do really, really well. It's been like that for a long time. Um, but the rest of the stuff in here is just some historical stuff all the way down to my little Ryzen 8 core, which is my machine, Aww. which I love, by the way. It's so cute. Um, that, even that is like really killer. You know, one, one thing here, we're talking about CPUs. All the CPUs are great right now. They're all good. Okay. They're, they're all good. Don's giving um, out participation trophies to all the CPUs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, because I mean, high five everybody coming across the line. Yeah, it's really, really good. I mean, this this little eight-core thing here is is 10 times faster than the old uh, Intel thing I've replaced, replaced it with. I mean, literally, 10 times faster. I think I can. I think I can. Um, yeah, how far do you have to go back before a 5800X beats the top supercomputer? Oh, <laughs> 30 years? 20 years? Well, quite a, quite a ways, but maybe not as far as you might think. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh, hey, these, the, the, the high-end stuff on these charts, yeah, it's not that far back. It's really not that far That's back. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing. I, I mean, I've seen it. The first supercomputer that I was involved with the design and, and uh, testing on did like 11 teraflops. You know, so it... And that was like a three or four million dollar machine, right? Huh. And that was in Jeez. the early two thousands or something. Not... Now it's just like throwing a couple A one hundreds and oh, oh A... I've I've got another chart that I might throw up here. They will just like blow, make your jaw drop when you see what TPUs actually do on this stuff. Um, it's almost unfair for me to show it, but. Uh, I... Yeah, I bet I better crank here because we're we're running low. Uh, uh, HPCG is high performance conjugate gradient. This is the second recently added benchmark on the top 500 list. This is memory bound and it's very um, typical of of applications that are doing simulations and solving systems of differential equations and stuff like that. A lot of typical HPC workloads um, and it memory bound. So when when your application is limited by the the back and forth from the memory, that's what this one measures. And of course, the more memory channels you have, the better you do. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, yeah, that that uh, that dual uh, Xeon Ice Lake was fantastic. Okay, that's that's two uh, two eight channel. That's sixteen channels, and it just did really well on this benchmark. Um, the dual epic also really really good not quite as as good um, uh, and uh, let's see now we get down to what we're looking at the um, uh, the 32 core uh, Xeon W did 
really well. Basically, the 32 and the 38 are the same because it, this is memory limited. Mm. Uh, and, and actually, the 32 did better, probably because it's just it, handling memory better. And these things peaked at when 24 cores were used. I scaled this. These things... Uh, this benchmark doesn't use all, you, you don't really need all those cores, but the cache really helps. Uh -huh. So the bigger core count does help. And it's because the, the, the bigger high level cache. Um, but then, okay. And then, but then again, we've got both that 32 and 38 core Xeon W beating out the 64 core Threadripper Pro. Uh, so it did, but, but this is memory limited. Okay. okay. And these things have the same number of memory channels, but I don't know. I think Intel's uh, cache layout may be actually really pretty good on this architecture. Um, it, I, I noticed on this that the, the Threadripper Pro 64 core versus the Threadripper 64 core, it's almost exactly double. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the yeah. 64 is what, like fourth from the bottom there? Yeah, and, and that's going from the four memory channels to the eight memory channels. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, if you've got a memory-bound application, you go a high-core count Threadripper Pro thinking you're going to get this great scalability on your parallel code. If it's memory-bound, then it's like, boom. It's, it's just not good. So... This uh, just, I always like to err on the side of caution in recommended systems. It's like, yeah, get the one with the memory, good memory channels, the memory performance, because when it's bad, it's hard to know when somebody's got a memory bound code. Hmm. Um, anyway, so that's going on there. Now, now down to something where MKL, the, the math library here, really doesn't <laughs> matter. Okay. okay. Uh, NAMD, this molecular dynamics code, I love it for CPU uh, benchmarking. Uh, it's got great GPU performance. Okay. You would be crazy to not use GPU with it, but it makes a really nice uh, CPU benchmark because it's really good code. And it's this one scales out to supercomputer level also on the CPU or GPU. Um, but here, uh, there's going to be less difference here because... Um, well, I don't know. This is this is pretty good discrimination here on the on the uh, on the chart, but uh, you can see the Threadripper Pro 64 core doing really well here. The um, uh, the dual Xeon with uh, with, uh, with 56 cores, right about the same, uh, and then also the Threadripper. The, the regular Threadripper 64, basically about the same. Yeah. Um, this is not a memory-bound code. Okay? Uh, so that's that's a noteworthy thing right there. Um, now, we get down to the, the lower core counts, and you've got lower performance. And it's pretty consistent. You've got, you know, 38, 32. Then you've got the, uh, uh, the Threadripper 32. Um, and then the Threadripper uh, Pro 32, it's a little bit different. I mean, it is a bit different, but it's not <laughs> massive, okay? Uh, but then it just keeps dropping down as you just drop the cores. Now, there's a lot of stuff that is like that. And, and Linus Torvalds ranted a while back about, why do they do these vector units? Just give me higher clocks and, and uh, fewer cores, fewer fancy stuff. 
and double the, the clock speed. And he's absolutely right, <laughs> because that would be way better than the things that we've been getting, right? Yeah, too bad it doesn't work that way in the world. I know, I know. Those <laughs> days are gone. They're gone. Um, STMV, this is a bigger, this is the same code, but a bigger problem. Uh, this is like a million atom uh, molecular dynamics simulation. It's a pretty good size problem. Uh, again, there's not a whole lot of separation in in these, but uh, you know the dual epic and dual ZM do really well. The high core count uh, Threadripper Pro 64 right up there, really nice. The dual Xeon with 56 cores uh, right up there, um, and then uh, the the Threadripper itself 64 really good. Then we get the the Xeons that we just looked at. And uh, down to the 32 core Threadripper Pro. Pretty comparable in there. Okay, so this is a reality check for you. This is uh, outside of the like highly optimized Intel ecosystem. This is really good performance on this code, though, by the way. Don't, you know, it's not going to improve with MKL because I've compiled it myself and linked it, and it's, it's just not a factor. Okay, it's not really a big factor. It, the, it does make a difference, but not, it's not massive, okay? This one, this little table here is really amusing, and a lot of people, I know a lot of people are Python programmers. You're doing machine learning stuff. You're going to be using Python. You're going to be using NumPy in some sense somewhere because it's under the hood for a lot of stuff. Um, and here, uh, again, there's some, some applications have been linked by default with Intel MKL. Uh, the Anaconda Python distribution, which is the, the, the dominant distribution in the machine learning world, is by default linked to MKL. And so you can see the I only looked at the 38 core here and the 64 core. Um, Threadripper Pro. Um, and with that Anaconda distribution, uh, with uh, a up-to-date MKL library, yeah, yeah, that's really stunning. Uh, these are these are numerical linear algebra uh, uh, jobs again. This is Cholesky is a factorization, basically the, uh, splitting a matrix up into uh, uh, some symmetric components, uh, triangular components. Um, these are pretty important kind of operations, but performance is fantastic here. Okay, this same now with a little bit older. This is key. A little bit. Older MKL here, a little bit older NumPy version. Performance on that Threadripper Pro is lousy. Okay, it's way down there, four times less, more than four times lower. Okay? Uh, yeah, it is weird. But that's because back in those days, Intel crippled AMD. They gave it a non-optimal code path. Okay, now, um, actually, let me contrast that real quick because this is important. If you if you contrast this now with um, a little bit more new, a little newer uh, NumPy and the current Intel MKL linked into NumPy, that's almost three times faster than it was on the old version of MKL. And this is because Intel is actually sending AMD processors down a proper AVX2 optimized code path. So thank you for doing the right thing, Intel. That they should have done this from the beginning. It would have saved a lot of 
a lot of animosity towards towards you, you know. Um, but performance is, is better. Um, with that same basic setup right there, the these new Xeon, it performs really well. It's it's linked with MKL. It's gonna it's optimized for it. But the the and AMD stuff does way better if you're using the current stuff. So it's nothing to sneeze at. And if you're on the uh, there, yeah. So there's no problem. I don't have any problem recommending the Threadripper stuff uh, uh, here. Okay, it's a good, really great platform. Um, another kind of weird thing here is just this. Uh, I, in Condaforge, I I linked this with OpenBloss, and this is a library that is, is not the same kind of thing as MKL, but it's it's not MKL. For whatever reason, the new stuff on with Intel is just lousy on OpenBloss. It's terrible, and I don't know why. <laughs> it didn't used to be. It used to be more like you would see something more like what you're seeing down here on this Threader Pro, okay? Um, but you'll also notice that with OpenBloss, um, the Threadripper Pro does about the same now with OpenBloss as it does with MKL. So you're okay here. If you're on AMD, you can use the uh, MKL-linked codes. You're going to be fine. Uh, it's not going to really be a big improvement if you go to, like, OpenBloss-linked code. Okay? Cool. Uh, hopefully that shows you stuff. Um, should I show what happens if you use the GPU? We're over time, so I can probably yeah. show this because it's not official now, right? <laughs> uh, you, I'm not sure that's how it works. But... Yeah, yeah. Do you want to see it? <laughs> real fast, real fast. Oh, okay, okay. I, I have to stop that screen share. Okay, oh, and I'm going to share. Oh, oh there we are. There I'm going to share. For anybody that's still hanging out. Okay, I'm going to share another. I'm going to share another chart. Uh, share screen. Let's see. Oh, come on. Show me, show me, show me. Uh, this one. Okay. Yeah, Houston, can you... Oh, you may want to oh, minimize, oh, minimize the preview. Screen? Yeah, minimize the... Minimize uh, else. Here, I'll take it away for a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, let me... Uh, I... I'm just messed up on the share. This is worth it. This is worth it. Hang tight, guys. Hang tight. It's, it's absolutely worth it. Okay. Uh, share screen. What have I got here? Share screen. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Chrome tab. Um, there we go. Okay. This this is what we want. Okay. Oh. Now look at this chart. <laughs> okay. This is that Linpack benchmark. The, the supercomputers that you're hearing all this stuff, you know, petaflops and exaflops and all that, the reason is because of GPUs. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah, holy cow is, is right, man. 41,000 uh, gigaflops compared to just shy of 3,000 with that dual Xeon on your other. Yeah, it's insane. Okay, it's insanely better. Yeah, this is the, the NVIDIA uh, A100 uh, compute GPU. And man, the best CPU performance down here in this little blue thing here. And that was that dual Xeon. If, yeah, this doesn't have this new one because, you know, it didn't exist when I did this testing. Um, wow. But even one of them just blows it away. Yeah. Okay. 
so so this so you, you you know Matt always bugs me because like yeah well well Don's just going to tell you to use the GPU anyway. I mean, <laughs> and, when you and, see numbers and, like that, geez. and you're right, and you know out of fairness. Yeah, the 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 GPU Nvidia is just killing it. You know, for the machine learning AI, scientific computing, all this stuff, you've got GPU acceleration and and most of does now. I, yeah, you got to use GPUs. Okay, this is double precision. This is the exact same benchmark. Okay, that's unique here on the A100. The uh, the the consumer cards uh, uh, don't have good double precision they have good single precision but that's a lot of machine learning that's really what you need okay um so anyway i just wanted to i just wanted to put that up there for anybody that's still hanging out so, so <laughs> well, you can the see. cost difference like if you're going to do cpu based how many of those dual xeons that'd be you so would have expensive. to have a pretty good size cluster of cpu cluster to yeah, compete need- with a single node with uh a100s in it yeah yeah, yeah I mean, it's crazy I, Although, like what Kelly was talking about, like the rendering stuff, you do have way more in the way of like system RAM versus VRAM. Does that come up? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know what? Those GPUs, they have, you can get those GPUs. And even with the one that I tested, just saw this today. From, Josh just posted this. 80 gigabytes on that, G, on that GPU. 80, okay, not 8, 80 gigabytes on the GPU. That means you can do some really big problems on there. Plus, you can scale on multiple GPUs. So you've got that, you know, in that case, four times. That that was uh, 40 gigs, but you potentially have four times... 80 160 okay. gigs just in two of them you, you so you've got a, you've got a lot um yeah it's really good if you can do if you can compute on gpu then that's what i recommend um but cpus are still very important this that's new great. intel platform i highly recommend it if you're doing a linux workstation you're doing machine learning you need data science you need to do a lot of processing back on the cpu side this thing is very very good so is the Threadripper Pro. If you're in the Intel ecosystem, you're doing any kind of development there, go Xeon. Okay, you're crazy if you don't. Otherwise, coin toss. They're nice. both great. Awesome. I think, and on that bombshell, I think we'll, <laughs> I think we'll, we'll wrap it up here because we, we, are, we are a bit over, but I appreciate everybody hanging out for that. That is a, just huge numbers that are hard for me, at least, to kind of wrap my head around how how yeah. fast that really, really is. So yeah. that's super cool. Thank you guys, everybody, for, for joining us today on our quick um, kind of recap or, or roundup of uh, – the new Ice Lake Xeon W3300 series CPUs. Um, appreciate you all taking your time. And thank you all as well to the audience for joining us uh, for this as well. And um, we normally do this on Wednesdays now. We've we've moved it from Fridays to Wednesdays. Uh, we, we moved it to Thursday today because today was like oh, the day for the launch. So Wednesdays, 1 p.m. Pacific is when we normally do this. Uh, in fact, next week, this is brand new for everybody. We have Jonathan Windbrush joining us. Um, yeah, so that's going to be super cool. Um, very excited for that. So um, thank you. Thank you, everybody. And um, we'll see you all next time. Bye. Yeah.